So the title of my message for the next couple of weeks is When a Plan Comes Together. And the reason why is, uh, how many of you grew up in the 80s, or at least watched shows in the 80s? The A-Team. Yeah. Hannibal Smith. Yes. What's his catchphrase? I love it when a plan comes together. I was going to have uh, Michael get the A-Team van, like, busting through. Um, I just didn't know if that would be appropriate just to have behind me the whole time in the church or not. But if you, if you want to find it, Michael, you can switch to that. I know we have a chessboard up there now, which is fine. Uh, talk about a plan. But that's my idea was when a plan comes together. Uh, and I want to talk about really how do we live a victorious Christian life? How, how do we make sure we're taking more steps forward than backwards uh, for the next couple of weeks? And there's one specific uh, verse in this passage that I want to focus on, but I'm going to read the whole passage. So from Luke 14, 25 to 33, it says, Now a great multitude went to him, that being Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Is that a hard verse? I, I've never liked this verse in my flesh. I thought, well, how can this be? But let's just keep going. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to win with 10,000 to meet him? I'm sorry. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other still is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks consider, considerations or conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he, I'm reading King James this morning, so I'm sorry. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. God has a plan. I'm not talking about elections this morning. And, and when I do bring up some social issues, just, just forewarning, please don't cheer or jeer. Just be quiet. You can say amen, but I'm not looking to, to get sides going here, okay? I know that's, that can happen. But just listen to me this morning. There is something about when you build a house that you need to know, first of all, that you can do it, that you have the money, that you have the resources. If you're going to go to war with somebody, that you actually have the backing that you can go and win, right? That's right. And when a plan comes together, it's good. Every time, I mean, going back to the A-Team, I used to love watching these crazy things where they take wire and fireworks and beat the bad guys. I mean, it's like MacGyver as a team, but so much better. And then it's that, that smile on Hannibal Smith's face, like, I love when a plan comes together, and bam, they win. I'm not saying that God is Hannibal Smith, but God is in heaven with a smile on his face right now because he sees what's coming. He sees your future. He sees your tomorrow. He sees what happened yesterday. He sees all things around you. And he has good things for us. We should be taking steps continually 
towards the Lord. Steps towards the victories that he has planned for our lives. But understand, church, there is a war taking place. And when you are in a war, you have to have a plan. What are the best steps that we can take to live for God? To build our lives for God? To win for God? These are questions I ask myself all the time. God, what's the next step you have for me? Lord, what can I build more for you? Lord, how can I win with my life so that others can hear the gospel? I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we are in a spiritual battle. I know we say these things all the time, it can sound cliche, but it's actually true. Even the world around us. So I, uh, last year I, I finished a degree in psychology, and there's words and phrases I had never heard before, but there's lots of talk about culture, and in sociology, and psychology, and there's this word, and I've mentioned before, it was called zeitgeist. And what zeitgeist means, it means, it means the spirit of the culture, or the spirit of society. And if you look at social scientists, they often talk about how uh, the spirit of the culture is continually changing. How there's certain things that cannot be instituted or put in place until the consensus of the spirit of the society agrees with that. Does that make sense? You, you can see where, where, where a society can be primed for a certain social change in different times and different seasons. There's things taking place today that would not have flown 50 years ago. Right? Because it was a different spirit of that time. Now it's interesting how when you look into social sciences, they don't acknowledge God. They, they, they'll say, they don't even say, they'll say the metaphysical side of things. The things that you cannot measure, you cannot see, you cannot empirically uh, determine whether it exists or not. They call it metaphysical. And a lot of times they downplay it. But yet here we have this, uh, this, this, this notion of a zeitgeist. This spiritual... Um, that the spirit of society that is acknowledged. Now, my Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people. Whether it's Trump or Joe Biden or the, the Congress or Inslee or Culp or, you know, there's so much focus on political stuff. We focus so much on a person rather than the spirit behind them. COVID, you realize that I, I really do believe this. And so here's where, if you think I'm going off in left field, I really don't care. COVID is a spirit. Yes, there is an actual virus, but there is a spiritual force behind that that causes fear, that causes disunity, that fractures societies and churches and puts people against each other and causes division. There's a spirit behind everything that's taking place. According to the Bible, the Bible is right. The Bible goes on to say that we wrestle against strongholds, dark forces, principalities, but yet we have an armor that we put on that we fight and push back against the enemy every day with our lives. If you're a scared Christian, you're losing. If you worry more than you pray, you're losing. If Donald Trump or Joe Biden is your savior, you're losing. Okay? How do we see God's plan come together? This is where my focus for the rest of today is. Stop believing the lie. Yes. There's a lot of lies out there. 
There's something that just passed in Washington State called Referendum 90. We've been talking about this for the last year, honestly. Uh, it was everything. I'm not going to say this about disinformation, this or that, but you know, you, you can hardly watch the news and know what you're watching because there's so many different things out there. But this is pure evil. It's not about a person. It's evil. Anything that, that, that changes what God has made, which he has made and he said is good, is evil. I, I, I'm not sure even what to really say with, with more than that, other than you need to pray with these things. Pray, pray, pray against the spirit behind these things. Um, really, it, it, so if you don't know what Referendum 90 is, it's, it's a new sex ed program uh, instituted in Washington State. But there's been all these changes throughout. I mean, you can look in 2012, and I'm sorry if, this, if, if I offend you, I'm sorry, but with gay marriage back in, in 2012, with, with Referendum 90 here in 2020, with all these changes, I'm not, again, I'm not focusing on a person, there's spirits behind things. Either God is right, or the zeitgeist is right. They're not both ways here. I'm not saying that we are mean, I'm not saying that we not love people, I'm not saying that we don't accept people. We do. We should be accepting and loving and promoting peace among people and showing Christ. But we shouldn't say what's wrong as right. We need to stop believing or letting parts of lies come into our lives and we just settle for stuff. Because we're taking steps back and losing the victory. And also we're, we're worrying more, we're scared more, we're becoming more reclusive rather than shining the light that Christ has for you in your life. So we need to stop believing lies because we're in a war. There's lies that are personal lies and there are societal lies. You know, the, some of the, the personal lies people can hear is like, you're not good enough. Have you ever been told that? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been told you're not good enough? Have you ever thought that you're not good enough? Have you ever heard, you're not good at math? Anybody? My wife's like, have you ever heard, um, like, man, you're so accident prone. And you're like, well, that's true. I mean, I break a bone, I twist my ankles. My, if, you, if you remember uh, Brian and Jamie, my cousin Jamie, she was accident prone. I thought that her whole life. I, I've never known anybody who could walk and dislocate her pinky toe. Like, all the time. But honestly, this, this is a lie. I mean, there's some people, we, we can start, things can happen in our lives, day by day, so often that it becomes normal to us, and we think, that's just who I am, and we settle. We can embrace lies that we shouldn't, and when we do that, the plans that God has do not come together the way they should. Ask yourself this, why are these things being said to me? I mean, even today, you're like, oh, well, he's just reacting to the election. Honestly, I don't, I mean, I, I do care, but I don't. God is still God. But you see, there's this craziness going on around us. What lies are you believing? Because here's the thing, if you let a lie come into your life, you're not good enough. You're accent prone. It's just the way it is. If I can't beat it, I might as well join it. You are literally giving the devil a foothold into your life. Every sin begins with a lie. Go back, to the, go back to the Garden of Eden. Eve, actually her name was woman. Her name wasn't Eve. His woman believed a lie, and then she engaged in sin, she and Adam. See, the lies we believe, we often accept, 
as the normal parts of our lives. Well, it's just who I am. Just the way things are. Have you ever said that? I, I, I've said this. Well, it's just the way things are. It's just who I am. One, one thing that I've been told my whole life, actually the first time I, I never, again, I'm a simple country guy, uh, better educated now, but I wasn't at one point. And I remember when I was in uh, community college, I was taking this, this uh, American literature class, and my professor said, you're very stoic. I didn't know what stoic meant. Uh, I was like, okay, thank you. It's like, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> I was like, I said, well, can you please tell me what stoic means? <laughs> She's like, you have no expression. You're cold. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking all these things. I, I've heard people say that before. Well, you're, you're intimidating. And I don't feel that way. I really don't. But I can almost pull myself back because people are saying these words to me. And I can embrace that in my life. So it's just who I am. I'm stoic. It's a lie. You know what? I'm a son of God. I have joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. I've got a river of love. I mean, I've got all these things in me. I'm not stoic. I'm not emotionless. But I've been told that my whole life, and I've had to contend that. I talked to my wife. The change has taken place in me over the years as I embrace who I am in Christ rather than what's been labeled on me as a lie. That's my example. What's yours? What has kept you defined in a little box that keeps you outside of God's plans? You see, lies we believe and say are normal occurrences lead to sin. So how do you know if you're believing a lie? Well, it doesn't surprise you. Let's go back to the stoic. Of course I am. It's normal. I expect that. I've, I've prayed with people sometimes where they, they come and say, Pastor, uh, my, my spouse has cancer. This, but, you know, we're not really surprised it runs in the family. That's a lie. Lies that you embrace are those that you're not surprised by. Think about the things that you have rationalized. And again, this isn't mine. I've told you this for years now. But we rationalize. Lies that makes us rational lies. It makes sense to me. And so therefore it must be true. You're not surprised by what you see coming. So anyways, they said, well, pastor, you know, pray for us. But, you know, it runs in the family. So we're not surprised it's happened. Do you want to know some societal uh, lies that, that I have learned uh, in my education? Have you ever heard this, that if you divorce, then your second marriage is more likely to fail because of your first failing marriage? The stats prove it. It, it says so. So it must be true, right? Uh, one that really surprised me, is especially as I've been going through uh, classical years of psychology, is, um, and, and again, if, if this offends you, I love you. And you can just love me too and accept me for what you may see as my flaws because I accept your flaws, believe it or not. Um, whether you're watching me or you're here. But one that really shocked me was, you know, I, I think family is very important. I, I think families that have a, a mom and a dad raise better kids than families that don't. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that kids are worse. I'm not saying that. But I, I think that when God said, let the two become one and he created the nuclear family, Father, I mean father, mother, and children. 
I think that's the best way to raise a family. And, and we don't live in a perfect world, and so don't hear any judgment on me or from any of this. But something that really surprised me as I was going through psychology, it actually showed this. You know, it, it shows in the stats that, that when you have a, a husband and a wife, or a, mother and a, a father and a mother, and, it, and with children, that the kids are, end up being better adjusted. But one that really surprised me is that how now within social science they say, well, but it, you know, two moms or two dads that raise kids together are just as good as a mom and a dad family. But the science, oh, well, what they say is the science proves it. I don't believe that. I'm sorry, but I don't. You, you can't, a, a man cannot fulfill the function and role of a mother. A mother, a woman, cannot fulfill the function of a father. I don't care. I don't care what society says. They're wrong. It's a lie. But these are lies that are becoming normal parts of our society. And I know every one of us knows somebody who might be in those different setups. And I'm not saying that we don't care. I'm not saying we don't love. I'm not saying we don't accept people. I'm not saying we put our, I'm not saying you don't put your nose up to them. You don't say you don't look down on them. We're not supposed to do that because Jesus doesn't do that if he's in your heart. And if you are doing that, then you're in sin. Okay? But I'm not going to call what's wrong right. And I'm not going to apologize for saying what's right is right. We can speak the truth in love. But here's the thing. We, we, we don't need to be surprised by these things because there are lies on the personal level that we've embraced and there are societal lies that we've embraced. And maybe we need to reconsider where we're at. Just like in Luke chapter 14, you don't build a house before you get everything put together and realize, do I have enough materials? Do I have the finances? Do I have the ability? There's, there's nothing worse than seeing a house that is half built for 15 years. You may not know this, but like when we started to build this church and we met with the board, I said, we're not going to be one of those churches that doesn't have carpet on the floor for 20 years. If we're doing this, we're building it and we're not stopping until it's done. Minus the kitchen. <laughs> it's functional. But you know what I'm saying? We counted the cost. We prayed at points we paused, but when we started, we went. Our lives need to be that way too. Don't embrace the lies that some people have told you. Because again, I'm a son of God. You are a son or daughter of God. Embrace who he says you are before what others say you are. Satan tells you the lies are normal. But it's not normal for a kingdom child. It's not normal for a son or daughter of God. We have to understand this. So looking at lies, again, we need to know where the lies, what the lies are, and how to not embrace them if we're going to have victory in our lives. So going back to, to Eve, to woman, in Genesis chapter 3, this is where uh, you know, the devil comes to her and says, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of, of any tree in, 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 the, in the garden? And she said, well, no, only the one in the middle. Then she asked, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, she goes, said, we're not supposed to eat, we're not supposed to touch it. 
or we do, we'll die. And so this dialogue starts taking place to where she is conversing with the, the lie to come. And then look at verse 4. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely, you, you will not surely die. Is that the lie? A flat out lie. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Isn't it interesting how God said you can eat of any tree in the garden? It could have been thousands of trees, good trees in the garden. But just don't eat of this one. But yet then the devil always focuses on that one that you can't have and forgets everything else that's good. Lies often work that way. God said you would die. Satan says, you're not going to die. You know, it's, it's interesting to me how many secret sins that you and I entertain in our lives. And because nobody knows about them, because we don't see any real changes for the bad, we think it's okay. But you're dying. You're not close to God. You lost the passion. Your faith has just become a ritual, possibly. Because you live with a sin, you think it's okay. We can't do that. See, the first step towards sin is believing the lie. You need to think and ask yourself, what lie have I believed? Ask yourself, what lie have you believed? Maybe it's a political lie. Maybe it's a work-related lie. Maybe it's a social issue lie. Maybe it's a lie that your parents spoke over you. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a neighbor or an employer. But something that got inside of you that has kept you from the plans that God has for your life. Maybe you need some words broken off of your life because you believe what you shouldn't be believing. Think about this. In your heart, do you really believe it's normal that you're a klutz? Or that you're stoic? Or that you're not really good at math or can never be? Not according to the Word of God. My Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All wisdom is mine. Okay, three simple points. What kind of lies are these? What lies, what, 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 what causes us to fall into the trap of lies and not reach our potential or to live in victory, not to see the plans of God come to fruition? One of those good words, fruition, completion in our life. Number one, sins that we continue to live in. I already just hit on that, but... Why do we embrace lies and take lies as our normal? Because there are sins that we're willing to live with. Sins that we know are wrong, yet we continue to do them. If you're going to continue in sin that you know is sin, that you know you can do something about it, oftentimes it means bringing somebody else into that for accountability and help, but we're too scared to do that. But we don't make these changes, then you are opening the door of your life to Satan, to deceive you, to lie to you, to bind you. There's so many of them. Let's look, uh, unforgiveness. 
This, this is a good one. There are people who do not forgive. I think that they don't have to. But look what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. So it's saying that if you... If somebody has wronged you and you have not forgiven them of the wrongs they've committed against you, if you hold that against them, if you hold it in your heart, then you are being allowing yourself to be susceptible to the devices of the devil. You're allowing them to have a foothold in your life. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, if I don't speak up, nobody else will. They have to be held accountable. I've heard all these excuses, all these rationalizations. Why not to forgive? And oftentimes I see marriages fractured, friendships broken, people leaving churches because they won't forgive their neighbor. Something that I, a lot of times you say, well, I forgive, but maybe this, I'll be vulnerable with you for a moment. Uh, a lot of times I try to think of what I would like to say. Even if I'm not going to say it, I call them the zingers. Man, if I could have my way. When I see so-and-so, and, I, and I, I'll fantasize about what I'm going to say. That moment they come, and I'm going to make them feel this big. Because they're going to know what they've done. That's unforgiveness. You see, the Holy Spirit is saying, Brian, don't be that way. If you, you, you ever rehearse, I've I found myself that sometimes go to bed at night, and just the same scenario over and over and over and over in my mind about what I'm going to do. That's not forgiveness. That's right. But then you hear, but if you let it go, nothing's going to happen. That's the lie. There is something about letting go and letting God. Yeah. Let God be who he is. He is the ultimate judge. So let him do so in your life. Lust. I'm only looking. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Memorize this probably 25 years ago. Because even 25 years ago, it seems like lust just plagued my mind. And all I knew that I could do is to go to the word of God and try to replace that which is broken in my life with him. And the Bible says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you whom you have from God that you're not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are his. But before that it talks about the lust. It says that when you, when you uh, commit adultery, that it's the one sin, sexual sin is the one sin that destroys the body. And it says, can you join the spirit of Christ with a harlot? Can you do that? Well, yeah, if nobody knows about it. You look at pornography on our phones, on our televisions, everywhere, the way people dress. I'm just looking. That's a lie. And you are dying spiritually. Anger. Well, I'm Irish. Any Irish in here? So have, have you been told that? Well, I'm angry because I'm Irish. Ah! 
Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to who? The devil. The devil. Irish is a lie. Whatever reason, it's a lie. You see, the enemy will hit you. Oh, actually, here's, here's the next part of this. What about when you start to overcome these things? Have you ever recognized an area in your life that was wrong? You start to make turn the path that you're doing good, and you feel like, man, I haven't blown up in like a week. Oh, I feel like I'm free. Like I, I, I'm, I'm forgiving this person. And you feel like you're doing so good that all of a sudden the devil trips you up and you go right back to where you were. There's something called, I think in the Proverbs, says, the pride goes before a fall. Once there's a haughty spirit before destruction. You know, it, it's by the grace of God that we're not all drug addicts or thieves or murderers. God's grace, not me. And so we, we, we maintain a humble disposition with God. Because the enemy will hit you right when you think you're doing good enough. That's what he does. As soon as you think you're smarter or freer than someone else who is in bondage, you're about to mess up. As soon as you learn something new, and Satan, and here's, what, here's what the devil does. You'll start doing good, and the devil will go, you're doing so good. Look at you. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness always leads towards sin. Here's another one. Another way that the devil gets you to believe in lies. The words that we speak. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. You can't make something. You, you, we, we, you don't have and I don't have creative power. Okay? You can't, you don't speak things into existence. I know there are parts of, of Christian that say, just confess it into existence. No, we, we come into alignment with our confessions. We don't make things. I, I can't say right now, I, I'd love to be able to say, uh, actually, I don't have my hunting license. I don't even think it's deer season right now. But late buck's coming up, right? Like next weekend? I can't walk out on my patio, look down my apple tree and say, four-point buck. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I, I can't make or create anything with my words. But I can confess along with the creator of words. Or I confess with the destroyer with words. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 1.9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My, my confession, this is what's so cool about this word confession, it means to come into alignment with. It means that when you if God says something's right, and you say, God, you say this is right, so I align my words with your words, and I say it's also right. When God says, this is wrong, and then you say, yes, God, I confess, because you say it's wrong, I say it is wrong too. You're aligning yourself with the words of God. And when you do that, he can now cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you want to break sin off your life, the way you do it is when God says, pornography is wrong, lust is wrong, God, it is wrong too, I will not do it. Help me. He changes that. 
when being drunk, the Bible says it's wrong, and so you don't do it because he says it's wrong, or smoking pot, or what have you, or lying, or gossiping, or being angry, putting an idol in your life called T-R-U-M-P, ooh, come on, give me an amen here, somebody please, he's not your savior, he's a man, and neither is Biden, I mean, we'll leave it there, that should be obvious, but... Amen. What was I saying? No, that wasn't me. You're getting some of Brian this morning. But again, give me some mercy and grace as well. The words we speak, there's, there's power in our confessions. I mean, even that, honestly, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even said that. I, I shouldn't be mocking people who are put in place by God. I don't know who our president is yet. I'm not going to believe the fake news because I'm not, and I'm, I'm not getting political there. I'm just saying, I don't know who to believe anymore out in the world. I don't. You, you, can, you can hear the same story from so many different ways. It is so confusing. Maybe we should be turning off Facebook and Fox News and CNN and get back into your Bibles. Maybe, maybe we should be working towards having a spirit of discernment from the Holy Spirit rather than Brett Baer. Or Shepard, or whoever, I don't know, Cooper, Anderson Cooper, whoever, I don't even know who's on CNN, I couldn't tell you that. But you know what? Seriously, who are you listening to? Come on, that's good. Whose words are speaking to you? Whose confessions are you aligning with? Because there's power in a confession. You can agree with life, or you can agree with death. You can agree with God, or you can agree with the devil's zeitgeist. The spirit of culture. Either way, you and I, we don't create things. We pick sides. God's side or not. Now understand though, though you don't have creative power, you do have power in Jesus' name. Because what are you doing? You are aligning yourself with Him. Okay? Proverbs 6.2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. A snare is like a trap, right? So we can speak words that trap us. Put in bondage by what comes out of our mouths. So how can words bind us or be broken off of us? Go to, uh, this is actually pretty cool, Numbers chapter 30. Verses 1 through 5, it says, Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If, I, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So basically saying, let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you, with, with, with a sound mind, say you're going to do something, do it. But look what it says next verse, verse 3. Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and if her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. This isn't giving chauvinistic-like. It's talking about people who have coverings. Like, like, my family is under my covering. My wife is under my covering. My daughter's under my covering. Ultimately, it comes down to, in our house, what I say goes. Amen? Thank you. It's more than that, right? It's not like, submit, wife. It's not like that. But my, my daughters are under my protection. 
They're under my spiritual authority. Even you, if you call me your pastor, in a sense, you're under my spiritual authority. And, and, and side note, use me, okay? There's nothing worse than to see people flailing and flopping and they never even talk to me about it. Believe it or not, I'm a pretty smart guy. And not only that, I have spiritual discernment and wisdom. Amen. It's not being braggadocious. I trust the Lord, okay? Let's keep going. So it's talking about being under a spiritual covering, okay? It's not just saying women are under a man. It's talking about those who are, have a, a, a spiritual authority in your life, okay? So look at verse 5. It says, But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will release her, because her father overruled her. This is huge, there are some lies that we have allowed to come into our life that moms and dads and pastors and board members and Sunday school teachers could break off if we would use our authority. Well, you're not good enough. In Jesus' name, you are. Because Avery, you're a daughter of God. It's not about being weird. It's not about being unpopular. It's not about those things. It's, it's who your father says you are. I've heard some people, Then I, I thought Avery would be across the street, but, you know, I've, I've had heard people say, well, yeah, you're such a sweet little daughter, but man, when she turns a teenager, she's going to break your heart. In Jesus' name, that will not happen to my family. I refuse to accept that. I've had family that have had other daughters that have been well, it's going to happen to you too. No, it won't. Not in my family, it won't. I will break that curse off now. Because I have that authority. They're not born that way. They're not because of this victimization or that. Be a parent. Be a godly parent. And stand in the authority that is yours. Anoint your house with oil. Cast the devil out of your house. Do what you're supposed to do and stop embracing lies. Break the words off of those who are under your spiritual authority. Break the lies off that other people are saying will be the reality of the normal in your life. Well, I'm just stupid. Well, I'll never get it. No, you're not. You're You're not. I'm not good at math. That's always comes back. No, you can be. Because the God who created math lives in you. Amen. You have the mind of Christ. Think about that for a moment. You have the mind of Christ. There's nothing outside, outside of your grasp or attainment if you were His. Amen. The words that you speak can keep you in bondage or can set you free. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you saying more of? What have you been saying more of in the last four days? What's in your heart? When it comes to the rulers and authorities of the lands who are temporary. What's in your heart? Fear? Worry? Anger? Jubilation? 
peace. Confidence. It's not just words. Words are powerful. And why are they powerful? Because words are birthed out of your heart. It's what's in here. The Bible is truth. Okay? You can speak truth and break free from lies. Third, third way that uh, lies, the devil tries to use lies to bring us into bondage. The thoughts that we think. A great verse or a great passage, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 10, 3 through 6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in the mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We're supposed to bring our thoughts under the subjection of the obedience of Christ. In Proverbs 27, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. There's something about things being birthed in our heart that comes out of our mouths. Our confessions reflect what's on the inside. Your thoughts are important. I I find for myself that the majority of my sin life has to do with what I let stay in my mind. The Bible is very clear that it says we're supposed to take these thoughts captive. Get them underneath the obedience of Christ. If you think it, you are it. You know, it, it's amazing how what we allow to be a truth in our heart becomes a truth that we live by. I, I'm not sure if that's clear enough, but I, I'm just, just mull over and think about that for a bit. Think of some things that you've just embraced as truth, and all of a sudden it becomes that way. This is why we need to stay in our Bibles. I'd rather have that truth in me. In fact, it says in John 8, 32, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set you free. So if the truth will set you free, what will the lie do? It will put you in bondage. What lies are you living with? Where is the bondage in your life? Lies will hold you in bondage. Man, I need to wrap it up. Look at like the 12 spies in Israel. You know, when they go to the promised land, this is in Numbers chapter 13, you can just write it down. But, you know, they go in there and they see these giants. And there's only two, two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who gave a good report. said, we can take this promised land. But the other 10 said, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. There's giants there. They're going to smush us. In our sight... And so we were in their sight too, is what it says. It might be behind me, but they, they, they give the report that we were like grasshoppers in their eyes, in our sight and in their sight. We were bugs in our heart, and so that means we were bugs to the enemy too. Christian, stand up for your truth. Stop saying, well, I'm a bigot. Well, I am this. Well, I must be intolerant because society says I am. Stand up for your truth boldly and confidently in love. Just because society sees you as a bug doesn't make you a bug. So stop being a bug in your own heart, okay? There were giants in the land. But the kingdom truth is this. We have a God who likes to kill giants. 
That's good. Look at Joseph. See, the devil doesn't just uh, uh, tell you lies. He also makes fabrications. When Joseph was thrown into a pit, his brothers took his cloak and they, they tore it up and dipped it in animal blood and they brought it back to Jacob, Joseph's dad. And all they did is they said, Dad, we found this. And Jacob then assumes, by that which was fabricated, my son must have been torn up by wild animals. My son is dead. But the truth was, he was in Egypt, right? But the devil likes to fabricate things to say, this is real when it's not but we must have discernment to get past that. Why did Jacob say his son was dead and torn up by animals? Because there was fabricated evidence which said so. Satan will make things up. And then add to the story to get you to come to a conclusion. Okay? Don't believe the lies. Well, I know this is true because I saw this. Because I saw this, because I saw this, because I feel this way, because I feel that way, because truth is relative. No. Those are fabricated truths. You can't, I, I, I hate, just let me say hate, I hate the way right now we are redefining words. That's truth now because I say it is. No, no, I mean, a dog is a dog. Okay? Bad is bad, good is good, sick is sick. Right? Oh, sick. No. What? <laughs> it doesn't matter what society says. It matters what the Bible says. It matters what truth says. What the truth says about you, and what the truth says about the world around you. So this morning, take comfort in that. I, I want to close this just right now. I mean, you don't have to bow your heads or anything, but... The Bible says that God loves you. The Bible says that he sent his one and only son to save you, to bring you back to him because he loves you. You may have for years thought, I'm not good enough. If I walk through those doors, the walls will fall down. I can't know God. There's no way I can be forgiven for what I have done. That's a lie. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says simply, if you just believe... That God loves you. You would believe that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. But not only to die for you, but to resurrect for you. And all you have to do is embrace that truth. And you're saved. You're taken out of bondage. And you're placed into freedom. It's by the belief in your heart. Because out, out of the heart the mouth speaks. And because that belief is in your heart, you then speak it into existence. You, you confess, you align yourself yes. with life. Amen. If you're here this morning and you have not, if you have been confessing death, you know what I'm saying about that, that, right? You, you've been saying, I'm not good enough. God can't forgive me. But this morning you, you feel like inside, like, no, I, I want to be forgiven. I can be forgiven. I want you to confess that this morning. It's going to start with an action. Just If you say, I want to be saved by God. If you, if you don't know if you have or not, but you want to, would you just raise your hand where I can see you? Anybody here? Or am I talking to all Christians? Craig, you're already a Christian. I know you're but I agree with your confession. We know that. Anybody else? Is it safe to assume that I'm talking to all Christians here? Can you just give me a nod if that's the case? Okay. And start living like one, more so. I'm not saying you're not now. 
But how can you more so live out your faith? This, this life of fullness, this John 10.10 10 that we have. Yes. So bow your heads with me for a moment. And I'm just going just to close the prayer just so that just you can focus on God. This isn't to call anybody out. This is just now between you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this moment. And I ask you this question. Is there a lie that you have embraced or lived with? Is there something that you have accepted as normal part of your life or part of your world that is contrary to what God says? If so, I ask you right now between you and the Holy Spirit to realign yourself, realign your confession with him rather than the father of lies, the devil. If you are in bondage to sin right now, if there is a sin in your life that you have habitually indulged in, it could be lying, it could be anger, it could be lust, it could be negativity, it could be worry, and in your, and in your heart, you know you don't want it. And it's like you just keep fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. Like, why can't I overcome this? Well, there might be a lie that you've been embracing in your life that the Holy Spirit wants to show you that you can let go of, so that you can live in freedom. I just want to take just, just 10 seconds. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will show you these things. Because we serve a living God. That's the truth. He's not dead. That's a lie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a God of truth. You are the author of truth. Everything you say is right and it is true. Father, there are some things that, that, we, that we hear that sound true. But in our spirit, we know they're not. Lord, if, if we have aligned ourselves with ideas of this world that sound good, but we know are not from you, God, Lord, we repent right now in Jesus' name. We ask that you help us to align our confession with you. We ask, God, that we would just submit our minds, our wills, our thoughts to you, God. Father, if there's things that we've been living with that we know are wrong, I ask for strength right now for those to be broken off in Jesus' name. And Father, as a spiritual authority, I right now in Jesus' name break those off in your power by the Holy Spirit off of this church family, off of families, off of individuals, off of children in Jesus' name. I break off negative confessions. I, I, I break off confusion in Jesus' name right now. And Father, help us to have eyes to see your truth. And Father, give us the strength to live in that. Father, continue to build your people. Help us to win, not elections, but souls for your kingdom. Thank you for this day to be in your church, Lord. Thank you for this day to grow stronger as a family, to grow stronger as a, as a husband, as a man, as a father as a pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll hit the next one next week and then the week after that. But there's a plan to win.
and we should be living it. Amen? God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. We'll see you Wednesday or on Sunday or tonight, 6 p.m. for youth. It's invite night, right? All right.